What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I am Carlos Colazzo here with Kyle Glazer. Kyle, how's it going, buddy? Doing all right. Ready to uh, talk some more uh, prospects with you. We've got the Angels today, one yeah, of the more rising systems in the game. Very interesting system. But uh, first of all, thank you all for tuning in to today's Baseball America podcast. Our podcast and Facebook Live broadcasts are sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you're a baseball fan, and you need to check out Baseballism.com. Visit Baseballism.com and enter the code BASHIP to save 20% off. Uh, definitely go check that out. They've got a lot of cool gear. I know I rock the hoodies. But uh, today, yeah, excited to talk about the Angels Farm System. Kyle, uh, you know a lot about this system, and really... I know for the people listening, I'm sure the, the person they're going to think of right off the back is uh, Shohei Otani. I feel like we can go ahead and dive into that and talk about it. And then really even after that, this is an interesting system in my mind that's transformed uh, recently a few years ago. They were It was one of the most empty systems in the league. I don't think that was up for much of a debate. At this point, a uh, very solid system on the rise, and having Otani definitely helps. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, I have to give credit to uh, Mike DiGiovanna, Los Angeles Times, put together an excellent, excellent top 30 for us. Yeah, and actually the first time that I've talked to you in these podcasts, we have the book, the Prospect Handbook, physically yep. right here. Uh, you guys might have gotten yours by the time you're listening to this. If you haven't, definitely go uh, check it out. It's definitely worth the... Uh worth the purchase and we appreciate all who who support us by, by getting it yes you know Shohei Otani obviously look we all know the story the Japanese Babe Ruth guy who hits 500 foot home runs throws you know 102 I think what's going to be most fascinating is just as this rookie year goes on separating you know fact from fiction mm-hmm. there's a couple things to understand about Shohei Otani he's the same age as Carlos Correa yeah. this isn't you know he's not 27 28 I mean we still even though Correa is now an established star mm-hmm. you still think of him as a, as a young super young exactly. almost next wave type of guy Shohei Otani is still a very young player mm-hmm. he's 23 he's a guy that you know a lot of people I think are, are kind of expecting to come over you know and go 21 and 8 with mm-hmm. a sub 3 ERA and hit you know 20 bombs like right off the bat mm-hmm. and what's come up pretty consistently is First of all, just pitching-wise, he might eventually become that, that mm-hmm. true scion contending number one ace, but there's going to be an adjustment period. He's still a young pitcher learning out the finer points of sequencing, mm-hmm. just kind of getting you know command down in the zone of all his pitches. It's explosive stuff. Fastball, he'll run it up anywhere, 93 to 100. Um, he can reach back. He can dial it down. Both his slider and his forkball are, are absolutely ridiculous pitches. The forkball in particular is his out pitch. Mm-hmm. You see everything you want to see. Uh, he's athletic. There's a good delivery. There's been some injury situations. He only threw 25 innings last year because of an ankle injury. Mm-hmm. There's all the reports about his elbow. So I, I think that if I'm an Angels fan, I'm excited to have Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. I you know, know that this is a guy I can stick at the front of my rotation and automatically makes the entire pitching staff better. Yep. But I feel like there's almost going to be a disappointment if he goes, you know, yeah. fourteen and nine, three four zero. It's tough when you're this hyped up before anyone right, sees Right, which you. would be a really, really good rookie season mm-hmm. for a twenty-three year old, you know, and, and pitches well, holds up over hundred fifty innings. So I think there's, I think for a lot of Angels fans, and we've repeated this a few times if you've listened to our other podcasts, the consensus from all the guys who have faced these other guys have said, you know, you, you Darvish and Masahiro Tanaka were better when they came out mm-hmm. than Shohei Otani is. Yep. If those guys have better success, those guys were older, they were a little more refined, they had some more pitchability, Shohei Otani could be better than them. And both of them have been fantastic, mm-hmm. Darvish especially. 
but it will take three years to get there. Yeah. So I think, you know, on the one hand, he's a premier prospect. In any other year, he's the number one prospect in baseball. We've had this discussion. He, Long term, he might still be the number one prospect in baseball this year, even ahead of Ronald Acuna. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's the big thing. Is all, pitching-wise, that's that's where he's going to be at yeah, at worst, a really good contributor, and then over time, mm-hmm. a superstar. Okay. Yeah, and you actually uh, talked to ways, I should say. Yeah, you talked to uh, some guys who played with Otani in Japan. If you guys haven't checked out that article, you can find it online at baseballamerica.com. Uh, definitely good insight into the guys who have actually played with him already. Um, but yeah, Otani, obviously the number one in this system. Is there anything else you want to talk about him as a hitter at this point, or yeah. should we dive into some of these other players? Because so, so Otani where, is obviously the headliner. That's that's the big thing. Look, he's going to get the chance to play two ways. He will be a designated hitter only. Mm-hmm. He won't be playing the outfield. The Angels have talked about moving to a six-man rotation, giving him an extra day where, you know, say he pitches on a mm-hmm. Sunday, he's off Monday, can DH, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe even Thursday, take a day off, you know, Friday, Saturday, and, and mm-hmm. go back, depending on just how the schedule falls, where the off days are. I think the biggest thing that's come up with Shohei Otani is, look, there's as much as he's got tremendous raw power. Mm-hmm. No one denies that this is a guy who can hit a ball as hard and as far as, you know, we're t- you want 500, true 500-foot home runs, he's done it. At the same time, there's length to the swing. Mm-hmm. He never faced inside fastballs in Japan. That came up a number of times from Japanese pitchers, I should say, because no, he's a left-handed hitter, right-handed thrower. Mm-hmm. No Japanese pitcher wanted to be the guy that pitched Otani inside, yep, hit, hit his down. elbow, and ruined his pitching career. Exactly. The American pitchers over there said they weren't afraid. They pitched him inside, and they had a lot of success there against mm-hmm. him. And if you talk to some of the individuals about once he started facing velocity, he didn't always turn on it. He, he could power it out to center, power it out to left, mm-hmm. but you know, pulling the ball in the air with authority against anything above 92-93 is generally an indicator, something you want to see. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense that he might be able to make these adjustments, but it will take time, yep. and it's not something where right now I think it's realistic to expect him to go out and hit 20 bombs his first year. Mm-hmm. I do think, to be honest, the most likely scenario is if by August the Angels are in the race and you know they, they need him to pitch and let Pujols and Crone DH and figure that out. I, yeah. I think ultimately, I personally do believe when all said and done, Shohei Otani will be pitching only. Mm-hmm. And if he does hit, it will be as a, in a part-time, provide some power, but there's very little expectation that he's going to be able to hit 285 with 25 bombs playing part-time yeah. and pitching. It's out of the realm of, of what most people expect to be possible. Okay, cool. We'll just let Mike Trout take care of things in the lineup there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're in good shape with, uh, with that guy, to say the least. And then after you after you get Otani at the top, obviously any system would want to have him uh, at the top. you got a couple of interesting outfielders. One of whom was just selected in the 2017 class with the 10th pick, Joe Adele. Uh, super toolsy guy, had a great debut season. Uh, and then Jami Jones, Jamai Jones right behind him. Uh, I guess these guys are obviously very different players. One has been in the system for a while, been in the league for a while since 2015, coming off a really strong year. Uh, what are your thoughts on these two guys? And are they kind of in the same tier? I know we always talk about the tiers. Joe Adele, is he significantly higher than Jones at this point for you? Um, or I guess just take me through these two guys in your sure. mind. Sure. So, look, Shohei Otani is the clear number one in the mm-hmm. system. Joe Adele, would question that, was the yeah. num- Joe Adele was the number one in the system before Otani signed, mm-hmm. and that's a heck of a number one in any system. Jemiah Jones was the number one in the system last year yep. and did nothing wrong to you know have to move down from that. He had a fantastic mm-hmm. season. So you really have three really good prospects, all of them are top 100 guys, yep. 
there was a pretty clear delineation. You know, Otani's your number one. Odell's just everything's you know, Jemai Jones is an explosive athlete. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be more doubles over home runs. Um, you know, there's st- the hit ab- hitting ability took a step forward. There's mm-hmm. still some questions. Seems like with Adele, kind of across the board, the tools are so much louder. Right. That's where you know, yeah. there's more power, a mm-hmm. little bit faster. Arm, 70 grade power. Arm could be 70 better. 70 runner. And if you think 70 grade power, that sounds aggressive, and it is. Mm. That comes from talking to individuals after he went to uh, camp in Tempe mm-hmm. after the season. He was hitting home runs that were only going to places Mike Trout and CJ Crone hit him. Yeah. I mean, there was more power than even the Angels realized. And yeah. this is a guy who led the nation home runs as a high schooler. Yeah, this is a guy who, if it weren't for Mackenzie Gore, would have been the high school player of the year for us. Uh, and really it was a, a tough debate between the two, just what he did in Louisville, hitting well over 20 home runs in high school, just destroying everything. He had, I think he had multiple three home run games in high school. And obviously it's high school. But he performed in 2017 with a 325 average, hit five home runs, Forty nine games with a lot of doubles, a lot exactly. of triples, five thirty two slugging. Like he is an impact player, uh, and we haven't even talked about his defensive ability at this point. What do you what do you see from him there? So there is a sense that while he could play center field, he's he's a, you know he's a bigger, stronger dude, six three two hundred, probably mm-hmm. going to get bigger. So he's not he really is an absolute beast in the gym. <laughs> so there's there's a there's a sense that while he could play center field, that's not you know his his defense would never be elite, be mm-hmm. average to above, but. The idea would be Jemai Jones in left, Jordan Adele in right, Mike Trout in center. Pretty that, good outfield. <laughs> that's a great outfield. And, you know, if ultimately Trout isn't re-signed, you know, maybe you have to have, okay, Brandon Marsh versus Joe Adele, who's mm-hmm. in center, see how they each grow and develop. Uh, and Jemai Jones is a perfectly, perfectly good center fielder. Uh, he's much more, you know, his instincts, his reads are really mm-hmm. good. Um, plus runner, so I, he could very well be the center fielder as well. Yeah, which, by the way, if Joe Adele, if the whole hitting thing doesn't work out, he also threw 95 off the mound in high school and has a hammer curveball. Uh, he was a pretty serious two-way prospect in the class, but made it clear that he wanted to hit, and so far uh, he's definitely done that. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I do think, you know, this is the tier of, hey, these are the top 100 guys, mm-hmm. um, and this this top three was not really up for debate, even though they signed Kevin Maiton, Brandon mm-hmm. Marsh uh, did a lot of good things. This was the top three pretty clear cut in this mm-hmm. system. Yep, and then, of course, once you get to uh, four, we have the top ten online. And, of course, you can check out the whole top 30 if you uh, get the prospect handbook. But um, an interesting one here, Kevin Maiton. Uh, the Angels definitely had a chance to add some talent uh, over the offseason and did so with Otani and getting Maiton after he was uh, let go from the Braves with their whole uh, situation with the international signings, but Kevin Maiton definitely not the prospect that he was uh, before he actually came into professional ball. I think the uh, the star has faded a bit. But how has Kevin Maiton changed from one of the best prospects we've seen coming out of Venezuela, getting comps to guys like Miguel Cabrera, Chipper Jones, to what he's at now when we've had a short but uh, a fairly significant professional look? If you go across the nation and find the best 15-year-old, that's very rarely going to be the best 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. We see that with you know boys and men especially. I mean, anyone who's ever played any level knows the guy that's best at age 12 is very rarely the guy that's best at age 15. The guy mm-hmm. that's best at age 15 is very rarely the guy best at age 18. And a lot of times, the guy who's best at 18 is not the guy who's best at 21. Mm-hmm. I think with Kevin Maiton, you saw a guy who was the best 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. And there have been times where these guys have worked out. Miguel Sano was identified that young. It worked out. 
Uh, but you know, you go back and look internationally, you'll see a lot of guys who were not ranked that high. Acuna is one that comes to mind. Victor Robles <laughs> was another guy signed for 225k. I mean, so I think it's something where, look, Kevin Maiton still does things you like. You mm-hmm. see a switch hitter. Uh, part of the issue was he, you know, was 175 um, when he signed. He was 211. By the, I mean, any, anyone puts on 35 pounds in a year, it's going to slow you down. Yep. He really worked out. He's back down closer now to 190, which is a better weight. Um, I, I think, you know, you still say, okay, switch hitting third baseman, you know, with power yeah, potential. Yeah, let's go ahead and address that. Th- He's listed as a shortstop now. Does anyone believe he can no, stay there? No, it's a switch hitting third baseman, yep. you know, with power. He has hands. Mm-hmm. He has hands, but the footwork, it's not great. Which, but range. again... If you're talking about switch-hitting third baseman with, with growing power, that's a really nice thing to have. Yeah. And that's why you'll see Kevin Maiton ultimately fell just outside the top 100 because the scouts who saw him throughout the Appalachian League, it mm-hmm. was very clear that they did not see a player who was a top 100 prospect. Yeah. Uh, that was, you know, it got better as the year went on. He really adjusted well. Again, this is a kid who had never played a night game mm-hmm. his entire life before this year. So you have to remember there's a huge learning curve, a huge adjustment curve. And when you get your prospect handbooks, you'll still see an all-star grade on him, Mm -hmm. ceiling grade. It's just the risk is very, very extreme. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it's going to be, okay, not only what, what, you know, he got better better shape over the offseason, now is he going to maintain it because that's going to be something he needs to do moving forward. You need to see some progressions with just, you know, in the box, just kind of his you know, swing mechanics. Mm-hmm. You need to see him get more comfortable. Yeah, with the field. that's another question I had that I wanted to uh, to bring up here, and you guys can obviously read more in detail in the prospect handbook. But the question about his potential, I guess, fading a little bit, is that more to do with the body questions, or is it more to do with something about the hit tool has been reevaluated that is not as promising as it once was? Is there something in the swing that people yeah, are questioning so about, or is it a but, body? So there's a switch hitter, right, right-handed swing looked fine, but yep. if you're going to be a switch hitter and you're going to be strong one side, you want to be stronger on the left side. Yep, exactly. The left-handed swing was problematic. A lot of length, a lot less bat speed. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, this is a very young kid. He, you know, he was born February of 2000. He's going to be 18 when you know in a few <laughs> days. So I, I think... We know this is a kid who has shown promise, mm-hmm. and there's no, you know, as, as much as this year was disappointing in, in some ways, first time in the U.S., a huge cultural adjustment, huge adjustment to just the schedule, the yep. work, everything. So there's no reason to bury the kid. And I, you'll see him ranked, you know, you know, we talk about tiers. The top three were the top three. There was no question. You know, he, Kevin Maiton, Brandon Marsh were neck and neck in that next tier fourth and five. Mm-hmm. And Brandon Marsh is a guy who has been a level higher, was a well-regarded draft pick, has performed, and everyone loves. So mm-hmm. it's a testament that we have Kevin Maiton yeah. ranked, you know, right with Brandon Marsh. That's a testament to how high we still think of yeah, him. I think a lot of the times we've talked about this before, but if guys aren't top 100 prospects, people think we hate them. Uh, that's not always further from the truth. <laughs> so I, I think that ultimately, this will be like it's not. A kid's 18-year-old year in rookie ball is never a make-or-break year. Exactly. But I do think he's a guy that bears watching in terms of, you know, whether it's in Tempe in the Arizona League Arizona League, mm-hmm. or if he gets out to Orem in the hitter-friendly Pioneer League. Just watch and see what happens because I think he's a guy that really split. And, look, there's a long history of guys whose amateur scouting report and pro scouting report read mm-hmm. very, very different. 
And it's going to be up to him and what the work he puts in to try and get back on track. Yep. Well, you brought up Brandon Marsh, and you brought up Orem. Uh, Brandon Marsh at 350, 396, 548 there. Uh, Is that more to do with the league, or is he that kind of a hitter? I guess we can round out the top five, and then we'll kind of dive into the class as a whole. But uh, take me through Brandon Marsh. He was injured in 2016, but sounds like a potential five-tool guy. Uh, What do you have on Brandon Marsh, Kyle? If Brandon Marsh can stay healthy, and this is going to sound lofty, he can be, when all said and done, when you look back on this list five years from now, mm-hmm. if he's the second most productive major leaguer on this list behind Shohei Otani, no one should be shocked. Mm-hmm. His tools are that loud. His performance is that impressive. It's only been a matter of health with him. Okay. He had a back issue after his draft that held him out. This year he jammed his thumb sliding and uh, you know ended up missing some time. When he's been on the field, he's been fantastic. Yeah, he was also a uh, extremely talented wide receiver in high school and won multiple state championships. So athletic guy for sure. Not that you guys want to hear about his uh, his football <laughs> prowess in this podcast, but, I, but the I mean, talent I, that that this team has in the outfield is very you know, impressive. And you go time. back when the Angels their their glory days. Debuted, you know, Tim Salmon, Garrett Anderson, Darren Erstad, uh, and Jim Edmonds all together. All four of those guys, four mm-hmm. all-star outfielders in five years. That set the table mm-hmm. for the best run of franchise history. And look, these guys are very fun. Joe Adele and Brendan Marsh have yet to get out of rookie ball. Mm-hmm. Jemai Jones has 40 games of high A, 41 games of high A. Which he has improved basically as he's gone up the ladder. Right. So, so these guys are still a lot can go wrong. There's mm-hmm. a lot of time left, but. I think when you look at this Angels farm system, you mentioned how much it's improved. And if you see our organization talent rankings, you'll mm-hmm. see it's gone up from dead last to, to firmly solid in the middle of the mm-hmm. of the big leagues. It's not just because of Shohei Otani. It's yep. not just because of Kevin Maiton. It's three homegrown outfielders that all have not just everyday ceilings, but above average everyday ceilings mm-hmm. and maybe even all-star ceilings. Once you get past those top five guys, what do you kind of see as the strengths and weaknesses of this farm? Is there any one area in particular that you look at and you say, okay, down the line, they're going to have to address this issue if they want a well-rounded farm? Infielders. Infielders. Infielders right now. Um, you know, you get down. So this next group, you've got an interesting group of pitchers. So we talked about, you know, one, two, and three are kind of in their own zones. Mm-hmm. Four and five are in the next tier. You know, Jaime Berea, Chris Rodriguez, Matt Theis, Griffin Canning, six through nine, are kind of bunched together that next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, four right-handers and a first baseman who, you know, everyone agrees is a big leaguer, but it's a big leaguer in the John Jaso, Scott Hatterberg mm-hmm. kind of second division, high on base, low power first baseman, which again, those guys started on teams that made postseasons. Mm-hmm. It's not a terrible type of player to have, but you also are kind of always looking to upgrade from mm-hmm. that. I think that's kind of the general sense there. But you go down this list, there's some really interesting young pitchers. The outfielders are strong. You know, Michael Hermosillo is another ex-football star who's who's a really good athlete in the outfield. Infielders, though, they're short. I mean, Leo yeah, you Reed, have six infielders in the system. Top one is Matt Tice, the first baseman. Uh, actually, Kevin Maiton. Yeah, Maiton. You have Matt so you, you know, you get to Leonardo Rivas. Uh, uh, you know, Levon Soto. I mean, 
some of these guys do some things you like, right? Leo Rivas, mm-hmm. really good strikes on awareness at 420 yeah, I guess on we, base. We could have talked with Levon Soto when we talked with Maiton just because they came from a similar situation. But, but, but at the same time, you know, Soto's yeah. a different, you know, different type. Hey, you know, good glove, light bat, maybe it works out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he controls the strike zone, so that's that's a positive. But, I think a guy I, who uh, sound, when, when I read uh, Levon Soto's, scouting report i think of andrelton simmons obviously that's a tough comp to put on someone i'm not comping them but just the profile sounds similar so you think of a guy who's very gifted defensively and has great instincts not saying that it's anything like andrelton's but uh that's exciting you can at least dream on him yeah i mean we'll see how he develops there's a long 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 way to go yeah um you know i I think for for a lot of folks though you know the angels we talk about their infield Second base has been a long-term problem for them. Mm-hmm. Third base has been a long-term problem for them. You know, Albert Pujols is still signed to play first base, and CJ Crone has been fine in spurts. But but the Angels' strength as a big league team is mostly in the outfield mm-hmm. now with Justin Upton, Mike Trout, Cole Calhoun. They have more outfielders in the minors, but their weak spot is the infield and has been for years at the major league level. It's also the weak spot in their minor league system. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're the Angels now, you know, not that you ever draft for for major league need because mm-hmm. it's so many years off. Exactly. I think that is the whole. Uh, you know, the other thing is, you know, the pitching side, look, it's been a long – the Angels used to be great at turning out homegrown pitchers like none other. You can actually see our, our homegrown mm-hmm. roster series where if you look back over the past 15 years – the Angels are the best team in baseball developing homegrown pitchers. Mm-hmm. They roll 11 deep. There's all-stars. There's guys who contended for Cy Youngs in their, in their primes. There's guys who were throwing no-hitters. But there is a gap. And I think right now we're starting to see the Angels bring some of those young guys up. Griffin Canning was a nice draft pick last year. Mm-hmm. Jaime Berea rose all the way up to AAA. He's a really good pitchability starter who will start games in the major leagues. Chris Rodriguez is a high-upside guy. And you go down... There's a really interesting group of Latin American arms in the mm-hmm. lower minors. Jose Suarez, Jose Soriano, Steve Aquino. Uh, they traded Wilkel Hernandez in order to get Justin uh, uh, Ian Kinsler, I should mm-hmm. say. Another guy, Elvin Rodriguez, was traded to get Justin Upton. So I think that's where the Angels can look at the low. You know, they have these outfielders, they have these right-handed pitchers, and you know, again, it, it's these guys are so long way off. It's not a direct comparison, but. You know, Matt Shoemaker, Andrew Heaney, Tyler Skaggs, Garrett Richards, and Nick Tropeano, while they've all shown you talent, none of them have been able to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. None of them. So on the one hand, you can look at the Angels at the big league level and say, hey, they've got some pitching. And you know, you look and say they've got Jaime Berea ready to go in AAA if one goes down. But in recent years, at least, it hasn't been one of them going down. It's been four of them exactly. going down. So, I, I, you know, Parker Bridwell was a nice pickup. So there's guys there, but I think for the Angels, needing that next wave of arms that they can start to move up their system will be important as these guys continue to repeatedly suffer injuries, mm-hmm. move up the age spectrum. Is there any arm that stands out to you as maybe a guy who is uh, capable of taking a jump? Uh, Soriano. Jose yeah. Soriano is the guy, I think, if you're an Angels fan, you, you really want to watch. Um you know, it's the guy, you know, that, that perfect pitcher's build, right? Six three one seventy. We talk a lot about, you know, that, that athletic build. Uh, he's got, he'll show you 100, but it's mostly just, you know, low 90s, 96, you know, which is perfect velocity. Arm action for a changeup, it's on the come, but it'll get there. Mm-hmm. Shows you a really advanced feel for a curve. Why time you have a, a right-hander who's athletic, shows you velocity, shows feel to spin, 
and his, you know, the changeup has, you know, the, the arm action is there for the changeup. That's a really, really promising thing, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not just entirely projection. You know, he's made 25 starts, all rookie ball, but still, you know, 25 starts at a 2-2 ERA. So, I mean, he's performed, he projects, he's really good. I think that's the guy of all these young Latin American arms the Angels can look at two, three years from now and say, hey, you know, this guy is doing some good things for us. All right. Well, I think you did a pretty awesome job taking us through the system. Are there any other final thoughts you have? Any other players you want to mention that we haven't touched on yet? I think uh, mostly definitely just, sounds like the system is on the on the come up for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, just mostly just you know a testament to how much of a talent infusion the system has seen over mm-hmm. the last two to three years. Look at the back of this list: the guys who are you know twenty-five to thirty, you know, Jake Jewell, David Fletcher, Joe Gatto. Those used to be top 10 guys in the yep. system, and those guys haven't really changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jake Jewell was always, you know, he's big, he's got some velocity. I don't know if he can throw enough strikes. David Fletcher's always been, yeah, you know, he could be a useful utility guy. Joe Gatto was always a, hey, there's some stuff. We'll see, you know, projectable. It might work. It might not. Mm-hmm. The profile in those guys hasn't changed. There's just, rightfully, a lot, lot, lot more better talent above them now. There you go. If you're an Angels fan, you have more to get excited about now than uh, Mike Trout and fantastic defensive plays from Angels and Simmons. A lot of promising young players, uh, one of which you're going to be seeing very, very soon at the Major League level. Um, but I appreciate you taking us through it, Kyle. Uh, follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle A. Glazer, I believe. Yep. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Carlos A. Colazzo. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in. Um, Today's podcast and our Facebook Lives are sponsored by Baseballism. Visit Baseballism.com for the best apparel in baseball and enter the code BASHIP to save 20%. Uh, Once again, thank you guys for listening uh, and until next time.